0: Welcome to My COVID Diary. My name is Andrea Hardacre and this is My COVID Diary. Like everybody else worldwide, I'm trying to get to grips with a whole new lifestyle during the corona pandemic. And I decided to chart my journey here. 8th of May, 2020. Another blue sky. Another sunny day. VE Day. 75 years since the end of World War II. There were big celebrations planned all over the UK before COVID-19. Now, like everything else, we watched them through a screen. I remember my gran telling me about VEDA when I was little, about how she and her sisters went down to the dockyard at Resyth in Scotland to watch all the boats coming in. It scared and fascinated me when she told me about the war about the air raid shelters and the night watchmen and the night the fourth rail bridge came under attack. The enemy missed the bridge thankfully but according to Gran it was being painted at the time and the painter thought his last day had come. She also told me about the barrage balloons that protected the bridge. I wasn't quite able to imagine what those were like when I was young because she had no pictures. But when I did eventually see them I realised it was probably just as well I didn't see them when I was little. They made me so uneasy. They looked so sinister. V.E. Day 45 must have been a momentous day. Most of us here in the UK are lucky enough not to remember what it was like to live in wartime. But I did come across an account from Irene Dowie in the archives of Dundee Library. Irene had also grown up near the and said, like my gran, that it was a very vulnerable area with the dockyard based there. She also spoke of something hush-hush going on at nearby Petrievi Castle, which somehow rang a bell with me. But whatever that bell was, it's buried deep in my memory. I feel the need to investigate. If I find out what the hush-hush was, I'll let you know. What interested me in her writing was a line about schooling. She said that although she went to Dunfermline High School, her friends went to a nearby school in Resyth which was commandeered for the Navy, meaning the kids went for several months without education, just like our kids now. I spoke to a, a mum of two young kids in our street yesterday who told me how difficult it was for her to work from home and to educate her kids at the same time. She said lockdown had taught her so much about the way she used to live. The pressure to always entertain the kids, she said, had gone. And in its place, she realised they were more than capable of entertaining themselves. I think she's right. Childhood used to be a magical landscape of freedom. To learn through doing. We were never ferried from activity to activity run by adults who thought they knew how we should play. We were left to find our own play, to make our own mistakes without anyone knowing we'd even made them, to live with our own conscience and learn from it. My best memory of this is slipping behind a garage with my sister and her best friend near our house. I must have been about five. The garage sat in an alleyway behind the house and we found a way to peer in through the back window. It was fun, it felt like spying And somehow, in my young mind, I convinced myself that the mechanic was a bad person, doing evil deeds. I don't know if this idea was planted by my sister and her friend trying to wind me up, or something I came up with alone, but he saw us, and he shouted. I went home that night, and for several nights after, worrying about the bad thing that I'd done, and wondering about the bad thing I'd seen which in reality was probably somebody just paying for their M.O.T. My sister and I wore bright green hand-knitted jumpers at the time, made by a friend of my gran's, and I thought we'd be instantly identifiable by the jumpers. I waited for weeks for a row that never came, and never wore that jumper again. From this, I learned a few things. If you're going to do something naughty, don't wear bright green. If you're going to do something naughty, don't be seen. There's no point in worrying about something that might never happen. And MOTs should be viewed with suspicion. This leads me nicely onto a surprise addition to this week's podcast. Last night, I wanted to record a government announcement at the train station for both the podcast and posterity. I also suggested my son use it in his DJing escapades. So we both headed to the station, but the announcement didn't come on. Joe was complaining of boredom, so I drove him to a secluded road out of town. What are we doing here, he asked, when I got out of the car. Bizarrely, he thought I was going to offer him a cigarette. It's bizarre because I don't smoke, and even more bizarre, I didn't realise he did although he assures me it's only when he's drunk. But anyway, here's what actually happened. So, tonight, Joe and I have come up (laughs) um, to a secluded place. We're in the car, and he's never driven a car before in his life. Or, is that true, Joe? Did you not drive one when you were really young? Um, Oh, yeah, I did. You had a lesson. I also drove my mates found a car park once. Oh, right, okay. Well, I don't know about that, but he did have once a shot of a car when he was really young they were teaching kids to drive not this big old 7c um, but he's them. never driven this big car before so this is a, an experience so you're gonna start the engine joe and you're do gonna put your foot, foot on the down clutch? on the clutch and do i turn it that way uh turn it uh just turn it right it keep turning a bit more until you hear that okay bye bye right so <laughs> now you're gonna put your right foot down on that accelerator and then you're gonna very very slowly not that's too much acceleration Ooh. right about there. Wait. you're very slowly lift do up I that le- clutch do we not let the clutch up first and then oh, when? there's a person coming so we're gonna just take our time in case I'm gonna run around Okay, now you've got to check your mirrors and make sure that nobody's coming. The most important thing when you're driving is to continually check your mirrors. I think someone's drawn a wheelie on our back window. Lovely. Charming (laughs) and I wonder who that would be. Right, so where are you now? You've got your foot on your accelerator?
1: gently,
0: Gently, gently. A wee bit about there, yeah. And then you've got your foot down on the clutch? Yeah, all the way down. Right, and you're going to put it in first gear. Okay, it's in first gear. You can do that bit. You do that bit, actually. You need to feel where first gear is. Right, I think that's first gear. Right, oh god, help me. Very, very slowly. Have you got your seatbelt on? No. Right, let's (laughs) start with the basics. Start with the basics. God help me, why am I doing this? Very, very slowly. Try and find that bite. put it in gear and then that's us. Right, very slowly now. Don't let the clutch go out. Oh. Yeah, oh, right, okay. Slow, slow, slow. Slow how down. How do I slow it down? Take your foot up from the accelerator a bit. It's <laughs> not even on the slow, accelerator. Slow, slow, slow. Right, keep it down on the accelerator. The car will stall. Just uh, go down to that white car and stop. Okay. And remember how to stop. Where's your... where's your... Brake's break? in the middle. Brake's in the middle. Oh,
1: Brake's in the middle. <laughs> I
0: could drive as home. No, you can't drive us home. Right, right. stop now. Put your foot on the brake. Oh, jeez! <laughs> 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 well, that's not a bad start. Right, do I need to take it out of gear before I stop it? Uh, yes. Right, now... Uh, this is automatic, but give it a flick. And I can take my feet off. And you should be able to take your feet off. And nothing should move. <laughs> should it? Yeah? Nice. <laughs> First taste of a driving lesson. Smashed it. <laughs> we should probably find a better place to go, actually. I know. There's not much up here, is there? It's not, it's, um And there are two cars parked in, on our left-hand side, and I'm a bit worried they might end up smashed. Are we so. going to go now or later? Or? Uh, we'll go. And maybe not ask your dad first, <laughs> just to let you know. This is the son who breaks everything he touches, so we're being very careful about this car and his driving lesson. Gone about three meters, but <laughs> we've fine. gone about three meters, but we did it well. <laughs> yeah, we did it well. That's the most it's important like, thing. It's like a whole social distancing. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Sign can, it, signing off. Signing off. <laughs> signing off. It was the shortest driving lesson in history, but I've promised to get him out again soon. He's had his provisional for years and we've done nothing about it. Perhaps now is the time, although I do worry for our car. Getting back to VE day, I wonder how lockdown will end for us all. In some ways, I suppose this situation is slightly similar to wartime. But it's also very different in that there won't be a particular day when it's all over. That said, you could argue that the effects of World War II are still being felt today in certain parts of the world. But I suppose what I mean is, I can't see us celebrating it in the same way. I'm still finding the news difficult for so many reasons. This week, the scientist who has been advising our government on lockdown, Professor Neil Ferguson, stepped down after admitting that he allowed his married lover to visit him while telling the rest of the UK to exercise social distancing. Does this sound familiar? A little like the chief medical officer advising Scotland to socially isolate while nipping over to her second home. There's been much debate over headlines condemning Ferguson and this is where I find myself looking at the world as if it's a stranger. His actions are described as an error of judgment, while we were told that Catherine Calderwood simply made a mistake. Now, you substitute the actions of these people with someone perhaps from a lower class or background, or even with the name Trump, then feel the outrage. I'm no big fan of Trump, but imagine if the headline was Trump saw his secret married lover while telling the country to isolate. Is it still an error of judgment, a mistake, or something much, much worse? Language is funny like that, isn't it? It's always been used in this way: fraud when it's someone poshe's a thief, and thieving when it's not. It makes me uncomfortable. I also can't help wondering why these two experts felt so safe in their actions. What is it they know that we don't? What expertise are they perhaps not sharing? Their actions suggest they're not taking their own advice seriously, as if merely playing a game where they control the outcome. But that game is going to have an enormous cost for those who are not in the comfortable world of expertise, for those who will find themselves out of work, homeless, losing everything and hugely in debt at the end of all this. Double standards just won't wash right now. We need clear guidance and clear rules to follow, otherwise it's all just codswallop. People are getting to the end of their tether and it's this kind of behaviour which will make them snap. I did think long and hard before writing these last observations because I can't stand the hatred I see online and don't want to be part of it. The problem as I see it is that most people respond to things in a reflexive way rather than a reflective way. So I am trying to rein in my reflex. Apologies if I haven't succeeded. As I've said before, I could be wrong and often not.